going on, everybody? Welcome into The Highlight, a business podcast for business people. And today, I'm really lucky to be sharing The Highlight with a new friend, a guy that that sees the business world from a totally different angle than me, and I can't wait to jump in with him. Will Brown is here, the founder and uh, owner today of uh, The Benefits Group. Will, welcome on, man. How are you doing? <laughs> I didn't bring my posse with me today, so I had to do my own, That's right. my own buildup. But yeah, no, <laughs> thank you for having me, Chandler. No, man, I, I'm excited for this conversation. Conversation. So you know, high beam marketing. We're the we're the marketing arm for a lot of businesses, uh, especially the SMBs, the small to medium sized businesses. And what I found interesting in my last two years of doing this um, agency is that a lot of these guys are really good at the thing they do. You know, whether they're a plumber, HVAC, real estate, uh, some ecom brands that we work with, they're really good at the thing. And then all of a sudden, they're these business owners and they're running these million dollar plus top line deals, and they're they've got you know ten plus employees on payroll and they're like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to be a marketer. I've got to be an HR person. I got to be all these other disciplines of business. And I don't have the money to hire that person on full time. And so I'm, I have a sneaky suspicion that you guys fill a similar role that we do, which is like sort of this fractional part-time marketing team. And uh, that's what you guys are doing uh, with the benefits group. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah, we plug in. Absolutely. Except they, the good news is they don't have to pay us. Well, I like that. How does that so work? I get lucky. So, so, yeah. So, so we get to come in and, and be the hero and save the day. And um, really, it's the carriers on the backside who give you a small little amount. So it's not, nothing you get into for a lot of money. I can tell you that you have to build a business and benefits over years and years mm -hmm. at a time. But I absolutely love it. That's awesome. You know, never thought I'd grow up to be in insurance. I can tell you that. But here I am, and and this is a, a field. You know, we'll, we'll get into my passion for it, but. Yeah. Well, let's let's just go ahead and jump right into it. How in the world did you end up starting your own business doing this? Uh, well, Chandler, I'm glad you asked. It started in a little town in Stewart, Florida in 1970. So, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going that far back. But <laughs> Run it back. Uh, <laughs> you better settle in. No, but <laughs> so uh, the bridge version is this. I spent six years getting my master's of accountancy, um, sit for the CPA, think I'm finally made it. I'm getting, you know, I work sod fields in Florida and construction, digging footers. And I finally go to this big, nice building, downtown Nashville and realize, hey, I'm working 90 hours a week at times. And so uh, I spent a couple of years in public accounting with a firm called Deloitte and & Touche. And then I go into um, uh, an assistant controllership role in manufacturing. And that also was uh, boring for me, no offense to any accountants out there. I just, I couldn't see doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and that also was a lot of hours. And also in a manufacturing environment, you just don't get the credibility from the ops people. Mm. You're seen as a bottom line expense. So I went into consulting and I knew I'd seen behind the curtain of some large companies and small as well. And I knew what made business run and I found out that's what I liked, right? What made business run? So I would work with these small to mid-sized business owners in all areas from structure to tax to just management. I had the benefit of benchmarking across these industries, seeing what worked and what didn't. And then I knew that consulting was very nebulous and it could you could have a jewelry consultant, right? So consulting and it's very hard to, it was just very hard to wrangle in these small mid-sized business owners who were working in this whirlwind. So I saw this area of benefits and benefits is a high impact, high impact for the employer, 
and the employee, especially now in today's age, uh, it is one of the biggest lifetime spends between medical premiums and medical outlay. It's the leading cause of poverty and bankruptcy in our country. Mm. And so for such a high impact, there is a low technical aptitude ascribed to it. Most people who just get in this, get a license and think, oh, I'm going to sell insurance. So I saw a need and business is there to solve a need. And I saw there was a need for differentiation, doing it better, not just order taking. And so, you know, I've been in this since 2012 in insurance proper and um, absolutely love what I do. And so we help small to mid-sized businesses uh, offer Fortune 500 benefits and we do it well. Yeah. No, I love that tagline as a marketer, copywriter, brander myself. I, I saw that and I was like, it immediately clicked for me. I was like, I totally get what you're doing. It's the power of, um, it, it's the reason why people choose to go work for those firms a lot of time. It's like, yeah, there might be a little bit of like, I like to have that company on the resume. It, it helps my career development, but also uh, it's big, it's stable. They have good benefits. Like how many times have we heard parents and other older generations say they got good benefits at that job? And it's almost like this, yeah. this selling point. And it is for a lot of people that are doing that. Like you and I, maybe you're a little bit different and, uh, uh, the entrepreneurial cloth where we sort of are like, you know, I, I got to be out there on my own. I don't need the benefits. We'll make it happen. But, but for those people that are working for your company, like I, I think some of the times a small business struggles to retain or attract the same level of talent as a fortune 500. And it, a lot of times it comes down to the benefits. It's not the, the compensation on a yearly basis. It's, it's the, it's the, am I going to be able to actually go to the hospital to, to cover something? Is that what, what's the fear that the people you end up working with have when it comes to, should I do this or should I work with a bigger company? Like how, how do you unpack that for them? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. So first of all, absolutely. There is a halo effect that happens, um, which lends itself to the attracting and retaining. So here's an example. If I want to work for an HVAC company and they've got 15 to 20 employees, I absolutely love the culture. Gary and Barb, I'm painting a picture for you here. They own the company and, and I love them. They're like my grandparents that I, that I remember. And, and Barb makes brownies every Friday for us, right? However, they offer no benefits. So I go home to my wife and she's like, hey, do we have coverage? What? No, you know, I'm going to uh, go to a, I'm most probably going to go to a larger company that I don't like the culture, don't like working for in order to get those benefits. It also tends to. It's not right, but we also filter how we see that company. So if I come to work for you and you just have a snack machine in your conference room and that's the extent of your benefits, then I, and I see this other company that does the same thing you do, but they offer a full suite of benefits. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to think that they do business a little differently. I'm going to put them here rather than, you know, it's like the difference in a mechanic, right? That's got the insurance and the garage and the tools and the shade tree mechanic, the shade tree mechanic may, you know, be able to do it less expensive and have just as much knowledge, but that halo effect of the person that has all the trappings. Mm -hmm. Well, benefits is a trapping. Yeah. And it's very important. So, and I just try to tell those smaller businesses. Yes, you can. That's what I want them to know. Yes, you can. Yeah. Why do you think they don't think they can't? Oh, well, it's the reason I got into this. Most brokers, and since I'm not talking about a specific person, uh, I don't think it's ugly to say, but most brokers are lazy. Mm. Uh, they're product peddlers. And what happened was um, either the company was too small 
and the broker said, basically, go away, kid. You're not worth my time. And, or um, they, they, they just printed off a quote because really under a certain 50 lives, if you're a broker, we can I can show you just about the same things on this uh, what do we call the fully insured. It's just the prepackaged market. Okay, mm -hmm. there's no there's no creativity there, and that's where most brokers lay land. Mm. And so what they do is there's literally a thousand plans, and they just go for the two favorite Blue Cross plans. Let's say they pull out a quote. They don't understand the employee demographic or the levers that are driving it, nor do they explain that to their client. So the client sees this plan that's 575 employee only with a $5,000 deductible. Their employees making 18 bucks an hour, so it's not palatable. Mm -hmm. That's why it's not exciting. Nobody's going to get excited about it. They're going to take all the time, energy and effort to set it up. Nobody's going to enroll cuz it's too costly and they can't afford. So I'm not saying that there are some cases where the price um, is unattainable, but 90% of our folks that come here can absolutely offer benefits um, or find a solution uh, that works for them, some sort of solution. And yeah. Yeah. When you're That's why they just had a bad experience. And it's a very, I've had people say, I can break down an engine and rebuild it, but I can't understand this health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, there's the, uh, the old entrepreneurial book, the e-myth by Michael Gerber, which I'm not yes. sure if you read. I mean, it's that the, the classic story in that book is the, uh, the the person is a technician is really good at let's say the hvac example right they're really good at fixing hvac they do it for somebody else and then one day they just have this uh what michael gerber called an entrepreneurial seizure where they're just saying i could i could do this better than my boss i could run this thing and then they go start their own company and uh yeah like we talked about at the beginning of the interview maybe five ten years later they've got 10, 10 plus employees million dollars plus in revenue and all of a sudden they're a business owner not an hvac guy anymore and you know, it's funny for me is, is everybody ended up meeting is they don't understand that the, you have to swap gears. You have to become the business owner. Um, and not that that's your full-time job. Your full-time job is not the, uh, I, I want to be an HVAC guy all the time, unless you just want to run a one man band, which is a totally acceptable thing, which is why, you know, whenever I'm working with people that are just starting something brand new, or maybe they're a entrepreneur that wants to come onto the scene. Uh, I ask them day one, I'm like, what do you actually want? Do you want to just own your job and have a little bit of freedom in that? And then that's perfect and great. Or do you want to actually build something larger? Because that's a totally different, you're applying for two different jobs in this moment. They, they are masquerading as the same job, but they are two totally different jobs. So uh, I love that companies like yours exist because you can come alongside. And this took me, so my first business was a barbecue restaurant. And this took me way too long to figure out, you know, I was a, I was a technician. I me and my mom were very good at making barbecue and like, we were good at the food side of things. Cause that was the backyard thing. But it took me a long time to figure out who to trust because the internet, you know, like we were talking about right before we came on is just full of internet gurus that'll sell you this, sell you that this one magic bullet's going to fix all your problems, yada, yada. And, and so I love that companies like yours exist because it's actually a trusted person that's been in the industry for a long time and doesn't really need social media followers to make their course or whatever it is actually sell. So uh, just hear it from me as a former, you know, SMB as a brick and mortar owner that had 15 to 20 employees, depending on the time. Like I appreciate the work guys like you do because it makes my life infinitely easier. So uh, that's my, well, thank that's you. And that's plug. the heart behind what we do, you know, um, a, we never treat anyone like a metric. Mm. So we help two-man groups, you know. Do we make any money on a two-man group? No. Mm. But I don't treat them any differently 
because if I do, then I made you a metric. And I've had people say, well, Will, you have to consider cost benefit. And, and they're, they're probably right. But I, just in my character, my spirit, if I treat you differently because you have <clears throat> two or three employees, you'll sense it. A, B, I've made you a metric because I am treating you differently based on what I can earn from you. Mm. And truth is your employees are just as important as the 200 man group. So we treat everyone the same. We educate them. We give them all the bells and whistles. But, you know, to your point, kind of deviating on the entrepreneurial side, I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. It takes a lot of moxie to do that. And yeah, you could be either a lifestyle business, that that's a one, you know, one person shop. But I do tell small business owners because we do become a trusted advisor. They can tell very quickly that albeit benefits is the, our widget. You know, I've had business experience and a, and a, and a purview over different areas um, in my life. And I can just at least feed in and give them some advice. So you're beginning entrepreneurs, I would always say act as if. Because on the audit side, I've seen these larger companies that didn't have a good foundation. So they were larger with bad processes. Mm. So if you're smaller, you need to act as if. That means your processes need to be documented. Have good benefits. You should have your cyber protection or liability insurance if you're doing stuff online. Make sure you have all the trappings of a larger company so that as you grow... And, and, you know, these things don't take much, you know, and as you get a little one size, you know, make sure you have key man life. So that if something happens to you and your your uh, spouse or family member needs to continue the business, they can hire a, you know, interim CFO or whatever. Like there's all little things that entrepreneurs really don't get that mm. they just jump in, like you said, feet first because of that thing that drives us. And we're like, I can make good barbecue. I can make good, you know, blueberry muffins in the E-Myth Revisited and whatever it is. And then we realize, man, there's so much more. And benefits yeah. is a very complex piece of that. And so we we try to do all the work as much as we can. We explain the process and we say, look, you go make widgets. We'll do this piece. Yeah. But we'll explain to you as we go along so you know you can make an informed decision and understand why we're doing what we're doing. Why is that so important? Why is it important to um, for, for a entrepreneur that's out there or a small business owner that is out there, that's now looking to bring you guys in versus another firm. And let's say everything is equal, but you guys are going to be the teachers and the other companies yeah. just going to be about numbers on a spreadsheet. Why does it matter to work with a partner that's actually going to teach you? And I have a lot of thoughts on this because we, we run into this with marketing all the time. Oh, well, there are a few, I'll go before I go to the reason why, there are a few that have told us, hey, I trust you, I don't need to know how the sausage is made. But that's the, that's the um, exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. Most people are, uh, are highly intelligent and want you to spend the time and want to understand. I figure if I put the power in their hands to question me and to understand why we're making those decisions, there's a lot more trust and rapport built rather than if I'm like, take my word for it. And so to answer your question succinctly, why is that important? Whether it's your business or mine, because they've been, their trust has been misguided, misused, misappropriated so many times before where the person said, trust me, mm -hmm. trust me, trust me. You know, I ran in that, to that with the vendor. I'm always looking for one of the, there are several things that differentiate us, but one of the things is, being, you know, knowing what's out there because we have vendors, underwriters, different plan designs that we go to, right? And this guy was like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll do your business. I'll, I'll, and, you know, I had to send him an email the other day. Is there anyone else in your organization that has more bandwidth? Because he'd wait weeks, 10 days, 14 days, you know, to get back to me. I'm not an needy person, but 
I, I need a response if I've got a client and I'm sending you business, right? Mm-hmm. So I took his word. He didn't explain any process. And so I felt over here and I wasn't inside. Mm. If you bring somebody in, they come alongside of you. Now you are partners towards the same goal. That's why the education is important. Mm. Instead of I'm here, you're out here, take my word. I bring you alongside me. We know the same things together. Now we can figure it out and you accept my solution because you understand why I'm making it. Yeah, it's funny too because I feel like with the the adoption of the internet about 20 years ago, you know, and as, as the millennial generation and now even Gen Z is coming up and, and coming into the workforce and now the millennial generation is starting to take leadership roles on, they are used to having no information gap. Uh, they they don't believe in an information gap. It's led us at at Highbeam to start saying information is free. You get you you get to charge people for context, and so like you guys giving away all the quote unquote information in that meeting, like you're talking about coming alongside people and actually teaching them as you go, you're closing the information gap for them, which is a value add of your actual business, which is going to make your firm infinitely more valuable than j- anybody else out there, right? Because especially the millennial generation coming up starting to lead and run their own businesses. Now they, they're going to, that, that is, that is step one for trust building is like, are you able to teach me what I need to know? Because if you can't, I'm going to assume you're a snake oil salesman. And and I'm, if I do do business with you, it's going to be very short term and you're on a very thin ice. If, if you take 10 days to get back to me versus five, like, you know, then we're out, it's over. Uh, it's super yeah. interesting to point that out. So then, so like, let's say we've got a business owner that is now on board. They're like, Hey, I, I want to be the small business that's acting like a fortune 500. Um, you know, I want to invest in company culture. I I'm, I'm here for this. I want to give back to my guys. I want to set them up to succeed. So, uh, the husband or wife can go home to their spouse and say, Hey, if you've got to go to the doctor tomorrow, we're, we're good. We we're, we're covered now. What are the like suite of benefits you usually recommend? And I'm sure that's very industry and company and size and all the things specific, but like give the people a few, a few things to maybe think about, or like, what are the most popular things that we definitely got to make sure we, we put on the list? Sure. Well, before I answer that, if I may, I want to go back to your point too, because I think something that I want to point out to any business owner out there is, again, why is this so important? Because you are the conduit. If you don't offer your employee, they only have one other option for insurance, and that's the healthcare.gov or the marketplace. Each state has a different one, and that's the high-risk pool. It's exorbitantly priced, and unless they're getting a subsidy, it's, uh, it's, it's unaffordable, period. So the employer-sponsored plan, by just you offering it, gives them options. So um, it also helps mitigate risk like work comp claims because if, if somebody's working for you and you have no insurance and they hurt themselves on a softball league on Sunday and they break their arm and they know they have no other money, they're going to transfer that risk to you Monday morning. They're going to mm-hmm. come in, act like everything's fine. Oh, I broke it on work so they can get work comp. Mm-hmm. If they have a full suite of benefits like a health, maybe a disability, then they're going to transfer that risk to that rather than to you. So especially last thing too, for a smaller employer, you know your your employees' names. You probably know their family members. Mm-hmm. Last thing you want to do is be hit up with, hey, we're having a baby. We have no insurance. We couldn't afford it. Can I get an advance on my pay? Is there some extra hours I can take on? So those are little things I want you to think about. It's not just this perfunctory kind of out here, all oh, benefits sounds very boring. There's a lot of human emotion tied to this, a lot of human suffering, a lot of decisions financial that are based around that. So to your point, what kind would I start with? There's We're full service. So there's everything from your uh, uh, dental, vision, your medical, your disability, your group life. 
What I suggest to give you an answer when you're starting off, I would kind of focus on those core. There's a lot of decisions to be made so as not to overwhelm you. Perhaps just go with your core, your medical dental vision. Typically your medical has a telehealth built in. Um, you want a good telehealth uh, that gives unlimited visits. Uh, they're starting to as it becomes more popular, you'll see utilization thresholds where they'll kind of limit your, you know, usage. And we've got carriers that won't do that. But behavioral health is more important than ever. After 2020, we all know what happened there. And we see behavioral health, uh, the access for whether it's um, kind of a 24-7 emergency fill-in, I'm having a bad day, or to kind of uh, a cadence of counseling with the same counselor those are available. So that's really important. And it can for a very low dollar, a couple dollars per employee per month. But what I would suggest if I was starting a new plan would have my dental vision, a medical, and by the way, they can, it's a cafeteria plan. So somebody can sign up with the dental without being in the medical or vision. So they can pick and choose. You've got your telemed and then maybe one group product that you do sponsor. I'm not trying to get into the owner's pockets, but maybe a group life or a group disability because that is a low dollar, high impact, meaning high perceived goodwill. You can cover a 10 man group, you know, with a $25,000 life policy for a couple dollars per employee per month. So you might spend $80 a month to cover everyone. And the idea to say, look, Chandler, you know, every football stat, every player, but you don't have a plan B for your family. You know, you have this 32 year old newly married if something happens to you while we're here, I want to make sure they at least have the money to mm. properly bury you and maybe pay off some of your bills. Mm. So everybody who comes on board gets a $25,000 life insurance. And on top of that, if you want to buy up, you can buy up to X amount without evidence of insurability. So if your height weight is out of bounds, so you're doing them a favor because you're giving them access to some subtle nuances that you don't even realize. And it's a very low dollar, high impact. So mm. your question, medical dental vision, Make sure that telemed's in there with some behavioral health. Look at that piece. And then if you want to um, tack on a piece that's a group paid, give them a long-term disability or a short-term. Long-term is less expensive and uh, a group life or, or a group life. That's great. So, yeah. That's great. I uh, Something you just pointed uh, to there was about a little bit of building company culture. And what I have found to be the thing I underestimated the most when I first started in owning my own businesses uh, was how important company culture was, which was ironic to me because I appreciated when the companies I worked for took care of me and, and invested in the company culture beyond, hey, we had a Friday pizza party. We actually have like great benefits or we have, uh, we're, we're putting things in place that you've asked for that we're listening to your needs and like we're actually actively investing in company culture. And so I'd, I'd love to say this is not so much benefits related specifically, but but you've been around the space and you own your own business, you know, for, this is a seven, eight year old business now for you guys, right? Yeah. Something like that. So like, you know, yeah. you know how important yeah. company culture is at this point. Like, so what are your thoughts around building a healthy company culture? And then if, if it weave in benefits to that, then then great. Well, um, you know, I'm part of a peer advisory board and, and one of the wisest things that, well, not wisest, but one, one thing that stuck with me is you have a culture, whether you've focused on it or not. So you may not know you have a culture, but you're developing one every day, whether you focus mm -hmm. on it or not. So you might as well craft the narrative. Mm -hmm. And that culture is one of caring. People know you care. That doesn't mean you have to listen to their problems. That means giving them an environment that's safe, 
um, an environment that's well thought out, that they feel like you, you're going to be around, that you're, uh, how you treat the customer is how you treat them, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a disparity in focusing on the customer and then treat them like they're replaceable. So there's a lot of things that go into to that, uh, but benefits. So you may not be able to afford to pay a lot. And I've seen companies that are out there, um, friends of mine that um, are in maybe a low margin industry, and they can only pay $14, $15 an hour, which used to be the standard. I think now for a good, you know, it's 17, 18, right, to start. So it's going up. But but they pay 14 to 15, but they have a nice benefit package and, and a good culture. So they have um, kind of team group meetings. They do stuff together. There's just other things that they do. Um, but the employee can tell that they're focused on, that they're cared about. And the benefits, how that weaves into that is... You took the effort, and what I alluded to before is they have no other options, so you're providing that option for them, and we make you look like a million bucks. So we pay for this uh, platform called Employee Navigator, which is an enrollment platform. So if you're a smaller employer and you offer benefits, you don't have to like pull out this old wrinkled paper and go, oh, here, Chandler, uh, welcome to your first day. Uh, just fill out this right here. And no, everything's online, digital. It's got your logo. Uh, we have another platform of content, a learning management system that we give our, our clients for free. It costs us a lot for the learning management alone. If they were to spend money for like the sexual harassment training or all the different, you know, workplace safety would be $3,500 or more. We give them that. So we want them, even though they're smaller, to look like a million bucks so they can go do what they do. And so to the employee, they see this and they say, oh, okay, I may not enroll in that 401k plan or that benefit plan. But knowing you have it speaks volumes to how you run your business and how you see me. And um, the last thing I'll say, I'll lay in the plan to this question here. I've seen organizations where they offered it and maybe there wasn't a huge response, maybe only 50% initially because they had a younger, uh, newly adulting you know, crew, right? But guess what? A spouse loses coverage. They get diagnosed with something. There's a problem. All of a sudden, that company becomes a lifeline. That does more than a dollar, dollar fifty raise you can do. When they can jump on your plan, they're like, hey, can I jump on? You know, my, my husband or wife lost their coverage or we really need coverage. We're planning. How do I do that? That is nice. That's a big win for the company. Yeah, it's making it sticky. And um, that actually is a great segue to this this next question, which is what's the cost of employee turnover? You know, I saw a great stat on your site and uh, I'd love for you to unpack that for us. And I've got the number if you need me to, to throw it out there, but I'm sure you got it off the cuff. <laughs> well, I, I don't remember exactly. I think it costs like anywhere from one to three times salary. Tell me if I'm off uh, what it's changed to. Um, yeah. It can be yeah. For replacement training. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. it's the effort. Yeah, it's the dollar amount that people underestimate. Thank you for bringing that up, actually. Most people really don't even mention that. And to be quite frank, I often forget that myself. But the turnover piece, um, not only the dollar figure, but the time spent in training, um, the culture. You know, for a smaller organization, if they have people coming and going, it really does a number on your culture. It gets other people to question, too, like, hmm, what's going on here? Why can't they keep people? Yeah. And that's often overlooked. That's um, a little harder. to Well, it's not hard to quantify. People don't spend the time. But but 
you can definitely see the impact over time and on your culture and on the frustration level of the owner or the C-suite mm. that's having to try to recruit new people and train them. They become exacerbated. And so you start losing these tiers and then the folks that are responsible for that, you start burning them out and you have a, you're either spiraling upward. Mm-hmm. Culture's good. People are happy. Productivity's there. Efficiency's good. Clients are happier. You're bringing in more. You're good. Or you're spiraling downward. Mm-hmm. People are unhappy. They're not doing their job. You have people coming in late, leaving. Resources are allocated to recruiting, not to customer service. Sales draw. I mean, spiral up or spiral down. You choose. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I didn't uh, understand the cost of employee retention or not being able to do it when I was running the barbecue restaurant. Cause in restaurants, especially, you know, that, that lower hourly, you know, let's say 10 to 20 bucks an hour employee, they are either looking for, um, a lot of them are just looking for the next 50 cent dollar pay bump. And, um, and that's, um, or the next job in 90 days, like we had about a 90 day turnover rate for like 50% of our staff for the most part. And, uh, we just could never, we could never fix it. There was not enough. Um, there wasn't enough team building stuff we could do. We couldn't pour into people enough. And, and some of that was college kids and just being transient in nature. But, right. you know, it was um, looking back on it. I really wish I'd have thought about the, um, you know, what can we do instead of spending all this money running ads for the next round of hires? Can we take 50% of that? or invest 50% of that on the front end, bite the bullet, bite the cost so that we can stop it three months after the fact. But like, let's say you're spending, you know, two, three grand a month running ads, just trying to get people in the door to, to apply, because that's another thing in the restaurant business. Like you're looking for those sort of diamonds in the rough. Cause there, there may be more options out there for people, but they're not the highest quality person. They're not the right fit culturally. Uh, for the organization, which means they're just going to burn out and leave anyways. But if you find one that's good, losing them is devastating, Uh, especially if they've been around six plus months in the restaurant business. They're basically veterans. They know how everything runs. It can take the wind out of your sails. Yes. And then it was me getting phone calls on Saturday night coming in to wash dishes. And, you know, that was the price I paid because I had this information gap as an owner between doing barbecue really, really well on the weekends for fun and running a really successful barbecue restaurant. And uh, yeah, I love what you're saying there because it is a expensive uh, to replace people. You, you know, Chandler too, I would say this, um, while we do the traditional, you know, that's how we run our business. We set up the traditional benefits that we could all mention here and you're familiar with. But I did a, I did a speaking engagement a couple of years back at a conference and I had gathered in that time a list and I've got it still and you could research it, but there's other creative ways outside of just medical dental vision, right? So to your point, somebody has to be happy with what they do. So whether it's more days off, a little longer hours, helping them get some certification somewhere, fun stuff like, you know, everybody uh, hire a car washing service to come wash their cars while they're out in the line and shine them up. You know, it may cost you a little money, but you just talked about your budget. What about a, um, a night where you got a um, one of the they have services like for um, watching kids at night? You know, there's like daycares that already have the mm-hmm. um, insurance and they're set up for that. But you could pay them and say, hey, we're going to have a group night out. You know, this is parents night out or send a DoorDash. Um, uh, I've done this before, too. You send a DoorDash certificate. Hey, don't cook tonight. It's Friday night. I don't want you cooking. You know, uh, go have fun with the family and, mm-hmm. and dinner's on us. 
there's so many creative ways to, you know, hey, here's a gas card. Let us put $50 in your tank. Mm. Those little creative things, if we get so creative when we're planning a vacation for ourselves, typically we're researching all these different things. You know, does it have a pool? How close to the beach? What about the golf cart? What's the, you know, all this neat stuff. And yet when it comes to the people that are helping us in, in enjoy mm. growth, we often minimize them to here's your check. You're lucky to get it, now go away. And so we don't get as creative. And I would just suggest to everyone out there, myself included, if you if you can't do it, put somebody in place that can that's responsible for overseeing your culture, your team, stay in check with them, get a temp check. And and we recently did that. I know I love that role, but as we get busier, I was unable to fulfill it. And I realized that people need accountability. They need to know they're heard. So I hired somebody who oversees the admin staff and that's her role is to not only look for efficiencies, but Mm -hmm. to talk to them, tell them how great they are and come up with creative ideas, remind us of birthdays and just the things that, you know, come in and out with Mm -hmm. all this gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's going back to the making your organization sticky. You know, it's a, it's easy to leave a place just for money. Um, It really is. It's hard to leave a place where you feel like a valued member of the team. You feel like you're challenged just enough, but not too much. You're growing. You feel like you're compensated fairly. You feel taken care of. You feel like they know you because they, you know, gray hair or not, they remembered your anniversary or birthdays. It's funny. You didn't get to meet him today, but one of my uh, co-founders, Austin, is uh, is is way more fun than me. And he ensured, and we fought about this, uh, you know, little F fought about one of our core values at Highbeam ended up being we had to have fun. Like if it's not fun, it's pointless. And I I take myself way too serious. A lot of times I'm way too aggressive, all this other nonsense. And then Austin is like, hey man, we're working hard. Like we don't have to work harder. We can take a break and, and do a, a pool party thing or we can do fun things. And there's only three of us on the team right now. Um, but back to your point earlier, I saw in that moment the value in what Austin was talking about and saying, yeah, I might not need that. You know, Ben, our other co-founder, may not need that. But the employees we have five years from now as we continue to grow, because that's our aspiration as an organization, probably will want something like that. And going ahead from day one, being the leaders that set the tone, set the example, and we set the bar. And as leaders, if you're not setting the bar and actually living up to the bar, then don't expect your people to. Because the things you're describing, all those fun, great culture-building activities where we're showing people inside the organization that we care about each other, what that trickles down to is they do it on their own. They see that that's the bar, so they find their own ways internally to say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then you just come down and and walk the floor one day or you know meet with everybody and you're like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, yeah, we sort of took this thing, da, da, da. And they're like, they're owning building a healthy culture on their own. And that's when, you know, as a business owner, you start to feel really good because you're like, oh, this thing has legs. Yes. It's not so reliant on me all the time. Yeah, I love that. Those are great examples. You want to create the environment for growth and, and blossoming. Absolutely. No, I love that. So, you know, even and I, people work remotely now. So there was creative ideas you could do for remote. But but I remember we uh, one of the things we did that was really fun. We, we did recently, we went to Opera Land, like a tour backstage of uh, the Grand Ole Opry, actually. We did a backstage tour, but we did go-karts. You know, those fast go-karts, like I'm talking about, you got to get a driver's license, do a little training, got the helmet. Oh, those were so fun. And, you know, and and those are things that you always remember that build the little um, feeling of family. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there was a book I read. uh, It's called Power of Moments by the Heath Brothers, I think. Um, But one of the things they talk about in there is like the things we remember are sort of these milestone 
esque moments. There's like the the peaks in your memory. Like everybody remembers the game mm-hmm. uh, from an athlete's point of view. You remember the game. You remember winning or losing, but nobody really remembers a year later the training in between the games, right? You just remember, mm-hmm. and then the further out you get from your career, you know, I want to state championship in high school and baseball. I remember that. I don't really remember one regular season game, not really, uh, the entire time I was there. So it's like that that really high moment ends up sticking out in the long run. And so, uh, yeah, being able to remember something super unique, like we had to get a driver's test all over again, like we were 16, just to drive go-karts with yes. the team. That's a story that you know, the new employees are going to be jealous that they didn't get to experience. So I love that. Uh, what is the, I'll, I'll tell you this, yeah, no more ahead. evident. Sorry to interrupt. I was just no, thinking golf. Golf's a prime example of that. You can go all day on the course. You don't remember any bad shot, but you remember hole seven <laughs> when boy, you got it that close to the cup on a oh chip on gosh. a par three. So if you've ever played golf, you guys know what I'm talking about because yeah. the, those golf shots, you can leave and you focus on the, the good shots you have. What was the amateur guy's name a couple weeks back? Uh, that, that, stormed the world and like he got an invite to play oh and, yeah my, uh, my in-laws would know i'm not great with memory yeah. but i know who you're talking about but he I heard he's, about him every he's, day. yeah he said in an interview um i like to play i'm not good at watching uh but he he said in an interview he was like i know that this is the most important golf tournament i'll ever play in my life and he just knew that in that moment he was in one of those like milestone high point type deals and he was soaking it up he also like drained a wow. par three hole in one like literally swished it into the bottom of the cup, which is just wild. And so, you know, good for him. And then the week after that, you know, poor guy fell apart and was like last, last in the tournament he got invited to. So, you know, it was, that run seems to be over, hopefully not for him, but it seems to have ended, but he'll always have that memory and he knew it. So good for him. Absolutely. Nobody can take that away from. That's right. So Will, the, uh, the, I don't know what I don't know. And I try to ask questions and put my business owner hat on and, and try to dig in. But like, what are the things that I haven't asked about or that you're sort of wishing we had covered? And, and if not, that's fine. But I always like to give the guests an opportunity to sort of unpack something that maybe I wasn't smart enough to ask about. You mean as it relates to benefits? No, I benefits think you covered it anything. all. You just, um, benefits, I would say, um, you just got to be behind. You have to make a commitment. Here, here's what I mean. If I if I'm introduced to someone and and I've had this happen, and the owner says, "Yeah, show me what you got." You know, my guys spend money on beer and cigarettes on Friday. We'll take a look at it, and maybe I'll get back to you. We're not going to probably be a good fit, mm. you know, because in, in in business, there's two things that need to happen. First, you got to solve a problem, right? So you got to know there's a problem, and number two, I got to convince you that I'm the solution for that problem. Mm-hmm. So if you already know there's a problem and I don't have to drag you to the finish line, this part I can do. But trying to convince somebody that they have a problem is not where I want to be because I don't get good you know, outcomes. But Barb and Gary, remember them from earlier? If they come to me and say, look, you know, we don't have a lot to invest and, 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 and we don't want to spend a lot, fine. But we love our people and we want to, do, we want to give them the best that we can do. Then I get that. That's the heart that I love. And we'll say we're going to, you know, um, do everything we can to get you the best benefits of the cost. So I would just say to the business owner, once you make this commitment, know why you're doing it for your people, understand everything we've talked about, the win for you, the win for them, the heart behind it, the importance of it for their families when they go home. So that way you can just at least be plugged in. There's not a lot we require, but you know, during open enrollment and stuff, we may need your help communicating it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's funny when, when owners don't take the time and you're trying to talk to them about something important. And I know they're in the whirlwind and they can't even give you five minutes. And they're like, yeah, yeah. What'd you say? And then after, you know, we've done everything like, well, why is this again? And, you know, but we, we, we're used to working with small business owners. So we have groups from two to 200 all over the country. Um, you know, most of our, most of our clients are in that 10 to 40 range, you know, as far as employee size, but we'll have a 150 man group and it's not really about the employee size. I sat down with one recently. It's really the owner was interested in all the creative outcomes. He leaned in, he listened. And that's Mm -hmm. what I love is like, he's going to digest and he's going to get behind. Um, in business, I would just say, you know, um, if we're, if it's primarily entrepreneurs out there, just keep your joy every day. Um, and also act as if, like I told you, you know, you have the ability as an entrepreneur to go sit by the lake and go play golf. And those things are good, but, um, you definitely need to have a structure, even though you work for yourself, there needs to be consistency. I get here at four 30 every morning. I leave at four. I'm home by five to see my kids. I live and die by my calendar. So even though I own the business, I still am an employee in the business in the sense of I have consistency. I think if you just mm-hmm. kind of see your days like, well, I own the business. I can go on the boat if I want. It's beautiful. I can take a jet ski. Those are good here and there. But you know as well as I do, those things take away what? The mighty mo. We all know about the mighty mo. And if you lose that mighty mo, got to get it back with a little bit of consistency. Yeah. So. You know, That's my I, little one observation of Benny. I got to tell you, I love that you brought up momentum here at the end. The uh, the one thing I regret the most about losing my first business, which I lost, and I can tell you this some other time, it was my fault. Like, right, we took a business risk that didn't work out. It bankrupted the the, the whole thing. And the thing that I've missed the most is the momentum, not having the right people, not having the 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 brand recognition of six years, the thousands of customers we had. The, there was so mm. much that got left behind. And uh, now that I've started another business a year, it was a year and a half ago that we started. Um, and just starting everything up from scratch again is is has been a grind. You know, it is brutal. Momentum right. is huge. And so if you've got a good culture going, like we've been talking about here don't, don't take it for granted. And, uh, if you're getting to the point where you're like, I kind of want to go, uh, sit on the beach or go to the lake or play golf. Like you are now out of the game and find a way to sell, find a way to exit, um, or hire somebody to be the new CEO and, you know, maybe give them some stock. Like there's a lot of things you can do, but if you're, you're checking out like that, you're done. And, uh, just hear your two other entrepreneur friends saying like, that's okay. Just make that choice. Don't let it happen to you. And uh, don't live in this woo-woo world where you think everything's going to keep running fine because you, like we just talked about, are the leader setting the bar. And now all of a sudden, if the new bar is we golf and we take three-day work weeks and we do yada, 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 like, you know, that's uh, that's not going to work out well for you in the long run. You know, to that point also, um, kind of coinciding with that, um, it it just emphasizes the same point, I would say, and and I've lost too, and you learn from those. One mistake I've made is, you start this business, you got good momentum, and you're not necessarily ready to check out. But you feel like, yeah, yeah, I've got 20 employees, you know, I've got thousands of customers. You said that. And so you get this general manager, and then you hire the general manager, and then you start fading back a little bit. And maybe, well, I don't have to get up and go down there this morning. I don't have to check to make sure, you know, the salads are prepped or whatever. You know what it took. Mm-hmm. And you start putting more and more trust in this person to run your business. And then they're, the more you're away, you're like, I don't feel like going there today. And so I see small business owners get that momentum. They build something and then 
it's not that they're ready to walk away from it, but they just feel like I've arrived and they're re- they check out way too early mm-hmm. and they give too much credence, credibility and responsibility to somebody who is not the owner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've seen it done. I've done it. And well, you I've work hard. I'm like, oh, I can step yeah, you put all these years yeah. in. There's something about five years and a million dollars in revenue. I'm not doing it in this one. Well, yeah. I've done it before and I yeah. caused me to lose. This one, I'm here. You got to see my face, baby. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm hitting them up on teams yeah. at five AM. Yeah. You're like, yes, I'm not, I am here. Yeah, no, no second, no uh I'll make a mistake. I just am trying not to make it twice. Uh that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's well, right. All right. So something I want to start trying with guests is a lot of people we have on, they're either, you know, marketing leaders or they're actual business owners themselves. And so like, you know, we're a marketing company, so I want to spin it around on you if you had the chance to ask me one question about marketing uh what would you ask and maybe i can put something smart out there for everybody that's listening what is your specialty and i and i'm going to couch that i'm gonna give you a second to think about it i have dealt with a lot of marketing companies before and they've all turned me off because nobody knows what their strengths is they may be good in everything but somebody who creates and stages a video is different than the person who creates content is different than the person who can design a good lookalike audience platforms are different so if i said to you and we only had a few minutes like what's your strength mm-hmm. like your passion like what are you really good yeah that's what i would say yeah, so Highbeam specifically is really strong at running paid advertising campaigns. And what what I found out okay. when I was running the barbecue restaurant was that uh, Facebook, Google, Yelp, uh, oh my God, the Yelp calls that I got back in the day, that sales team is brutally obnoxious. Uh, uh, but I guess it works because they do it like, oh my God. But what I found out was like, there's a lot of different ways to spend money on running ads. And, uh, you know, I got very lucky that I ended up after the barbecue thing shut down, I ended up at this company called um, Ramsey Solutions. And I worked on a team with like maybe 300 marketers and creative folks. So like, you know, seeing the disciplines that go into to marketing in general. And then I ended up finding two friends that that helped run paid ads um, there at Ramsey. And so they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising. And so what we do better than anybody else is like, is like you're talking about building the lookalike audiences, building the actual campaigns themselves. Um, here, first two years in, in the company, we're trying to stay really focused on that as our like, as our thing that we, we do for people, you know, and I think it's worked out right now. We're averaging like a six X return on ad spend for people that are in the, um, e-commerce space, which is, which is great. Uh, especially in a world where everybody says Facebook ads are dead and that's just definitely not true because we see it every single day. Um, and so we're trying to stay focused because the, another lesson I learned at the barbecue restaurant was that, uh, the, the restaurants that end up in trouble have the really big menus, uh, cheesecake factory can get away with it. They're in a different game than most small mom and pop restaurant owners. And so you don't really want a menu with a bunch of different styles on it. You know, if you're a sandwich shop, be a sandwich shop. If you're barbecue, be barbecue. Like we didn't even sell hamburgers and we didn't sell steaks and we didn't sell hot dogs. We didn't sell a lot of things that I knew would sell, but just because we could make money doing it doesn't mean that we should. And, uh, Gordon Ramsay will tell you that. That's right. Yeah. And by the way, I just, I went to Vegas for the first time a couple of weeks ago and I got to eat at his hell's kitchen restaurant, which is like a sort of a, uh, it's like a reflection of the show, which I'm a big fan of because of my restaurant yes. background, all the stuff. Yeah. The food was amazing. And that beef Wellington thing, if you ever get a chance to eat it, it is like mm. crazy good, crazy good. So all this yeah, talk I, about barbecue, I'm not to be hungry, man, because I yeah. love a good barbecue. I love some good baked bean, barbecue beans. People don't hey. know. You got to yeah. take your time and some barbecue beans because that's yeah. that could be a clincher, man. Yeah. Oh, the sides are very underrated when it comes to barbecue. Everybody does meat pretty Absolutely. well. The sides, though, are the differentiator. Well, I mean, you're fr- we're friends now and you're right up the road. So 
So we can have a backyard barbecue at my house anytime, man. Just let me know when you're available. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate um, you no, coming on the show, man. This was great. I had a blast. Thank you. It's great getting to know you. And yeah. um, I, w- I was going to say something else and I forgot. Oh, I do love, uh, just to punctuate what you said, staying in your lane. You know, we could do thousand man groups, 5,000 everybody goes to. I know how to build them from scratch. Mm-hmm. But we know love and we know how to help small to mid-sized companies. And yeah. so you knowing that this is your strength here to focus on that, there may be some ancillary things, but if you can carve out a niche, that's really yeah. brilliant. And every yeah, entrepreneur on the listening should should focus on that. Yeah, especially, I mean, we'll, we'll do about 300,000 top line this year, which is you know, not nothing, but you know, it's, 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 it started from zero. And if we get too broad Brilliant. too fast, we're going to lose the little bit of momentum we do have. I say 80% of our revenue comes from what we talked about, but like you look at the high beam marketing's page, like we built our website. I write the blogs. I write our emails every week. I do the podcast thing. Like we're doing all the things of a full, well-rounded marketing plan, but we do it only for our business. So we stay really focused, um, in that way. And it, it helps. It does help. Well, Will, I appreciate you joining us on the show, man, and I appreciate everybody out there listening, and we will see you next week.